0: In John 8:44 we read when he lies he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies Jesus was referring to the devil in this verse because it is the nature it is the enemy's nature to deceive lying is his native language but actually the fact is all of us speak out of our own character. Words are an expression of our thoughts. Our thoughts are the musings of our heart. And as Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So our words reveal our heart. Our words then expose our character. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, Jesus said, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What we deposit into our spirits, we withdraw with words. A good man deposits good things in his heart and speaks good things with his lips. But then again, garbage in, garbage out. So it's important what we hear, what we think on, what we speak. Now, character is not just personality. Character is the moral attributes, the moral attributes of somebody's personality. We all have different personalities, you know. Some people are naturally warm and engaging Others are more quiet and reserved. Some people tend to be slow, really slow. Some people are slower than molasses in winter. Some people do things quickly, rapidly. That would be me. But it's not a moral failure to be quiet. And it's not a sin to be quick. Those are simply characteristics of a person's temperament. Character as we're talking about today, refers to the virtuous and ethical qualities of a person's nature. See, there are varieties of personalities. You know, a family can have like seven siblings, brothers and sisters, all from the same mother and have seven different personalities. In fact, I think we could really say everybody in this room has a unique personality, nobody is exactly like you in your temperament, in your, in your natural tendencies and God made us all, but there is only one standard of righteousness in God's eyes, many personalities, but still one standard. Ephesians chapter five, verse one tells us what that standard is. It says, therefore be imitators of, of God as beloved children. Character is being godly. It is being godly. Uh, if God is your heavenly father, then you should act like his child. Amen. People should see your father's character, his, your, his, his attributes in the way you live. Amen. In John 13, verse 15, Jesus said, for I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. So, character is pattern, pat, sorry, here, patter, patterning, <laughs> following the pattern of Christ in your life. I'll get it right. Character is living like Jesus. You know, the popular expression, especially many years ago, is WWJD. What would Jesus do? But I think we need to add to that WWJS. What would Jesus say? Amen. So before you open your mouth, go WWJS. Amen. Character is seen in the countless small decisions we make every day, character is choosing to do what is right. even if if it costs you. You know, the old saying is if you count the pennies, the dollars will take care of themselves. If you do what is right in the small, seemingly insignificant little uh, decisions you make every day, then you'll be prepared when it comes to the bigger decisions. Amen? Now, Aubrey Wayne Copeland was an insurance agent who lived in America... In the American state of Texas, he was he was selling insurance like life insurance and health insurance. And there was another man working in the same company who left to start his own insurance business. And he invited Aubrey Wayne, who was also known as AW, to join him, to be a partner with him. And, of course, also to bring his clientele with him. That is, all of the customers that he has sold insurance to. They have a policy with him to come with him, you know, so that they can renew their policy now in this new company. But that was illegal under the laws of the state of Texas. You're not allowed to do that. But this man offered AW stock in this new business, this new uh, startup and a lucrative salary, which was much more than he was currently making. <clears throat> well, the insurance company sued the man that, was, that started this new business. And the case went to court. On the witness stand, A.W. was asked if the man asked him to be his partner and also to bring all of his clients with him. Now, if A.W. denied it, no, that didn't happen, then he would get controlling interest in this new business with the potential of making millions of dollars. If he acknowledged that it actually happened, he would only get the privilege of keeping his job. So his family watched in suspense at that moment, wondering how he would answer. And to their amazement... A.W. calmly admitted, yes, the man did invite me to be his partner, and yes, he did ask me to bring all of my customers or my clients with him. And the case was closed. When the the trial was over, his young young son came running up to him in astonishment and said, I I can't believe that that's how you answered. But A.W. said, I'm a Christian. Do you think that I would tell a lie? I wouldn't do that for all the money in the world did you ever consider that bearing false witness is similar to denying Christ you don't think so consider this verse Titus chapter 1 verse 16 they profess to know God but they deny him by their works hallelujah that's true so Later, A.W. Copeland retired from his work and he felt led of the Lord to help his son who was just starting off in the ministry. And today, Kenneth Copeland Ministries is an international organization reaching millions of people all over the globe with the teaching of the word of God. So God repaid A.W. for his integrity And for his godly character. Can I get an amen? Character. Character is more than reputation. Reputation is the shadow of a tree. Character is the tree itself. Reputation is who people think you are. Character is who you really are. Reputation is who we appear to be in public. Character is who we actually are in private. Amen. If it is only the fear of a ruined reputation that constrains us, then when no one is around or when we believe no one will know, we will be sorely tempted to do what is wrong. And that's why some people are like pious at home, but on vacation, they live like the devil because the home folk aren't around and they say, well, nobody knows. No one will know. That's why people do uh, things in a tumultuous riot that they would never dream of doing by themselves. There's an ana- anonymity in the crowd, you see. No one will know it was me, you see. Hmm? In Exodus chapter 2, verse 12, it says, he looked this way and he looked that way. And seeing no one he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. So it's interesting, before Moses killed the man, he checked to see if anybody was looking. So when you find yourself like looking like that, left and right, then you know you're about to do something wrong. <laughs> and you should stop yourself right there. And then after the deed was done, Moses tried to cover it up, thinking no one will ever know. And then... Sadly for him, the very next day, two Israelites were fighting, and he tried to break it up. And one of them said to him, are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? It's known. <laughs> There's nothing hidden that will not be revealed, the Bible says. Praise the Lord. So Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13 says this, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So God has x-ray vision, like Superman, better than Superman. I have friends who formerly lived in Saudi Arabia, and they told me that in Saudi Arabia, the people have a saying, Allah cannot see over a 10-foot wall. And so that means that in public, they act very religious. They, the people there look very religious. But inside their homes, you know, like, you know, behind the 10-foot compound wall, anything goes. Alcohol, drugs, pornography, you name it, because they say Allah can't see over a 10-foot wall. But that is not the God of the Bible. That is not, that is not true at all. Amen. And that's not how we should live because true Christ-like character is found in those who desire to please God and not man, knowing that there is one who always sees us and what we do cannot be hid from him. So we're talking about character. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17, it tells us that It's kind of a long verse, but it tells us that God wanted to demonstrate or prove to us the unchangeable character of his purpose. That's the English Standard Version. The unchangeable character of his purpose. God's purposes are unalterable because his character is unchangeable. God does not practice what we sometimes call situation ethics which says that there are no moral standards. There is no right or wrong. It just depends on the circumstance. People say, well, what is right for you may not be right for me. But of course, that's nothing more than a feeble attempt to absolve oneself, to clear oneself of wrongdoing by saying there's nothing wrong if you feel it's right. That's nonsense. Or it's okay to lie If it's all for the best, but that is not what the word of God teaches us. The ends do not justify the means. Rather, we see in Numbers 23, verse 19, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. God is never going to change his mind about you. He's never going to change his mind about his purposes for our lives. He's never going to change his mind about the call of God upon your life. He's never going to change his mind. Unlike people that you and I know, God is consistent. Who he is now, he will be eternally. The mere passage of time does not modify God's character or alter his nature. Amen. And God always speaks out of his nature. That's why Hebrews 6:18 the next verse says it is impossible for God to lie. So people who have who manifest godly character are consistent in what they say. That's so important. They are consistent in what they say. You know, when you talk to some people, I mean even Christians, Maybe there was an incident or, or some, some event in question, whatever it is. They'll tell you one story. Well, this is what happened. But then, you know, the very next day, you can ask them the same question. Or maybe someone else will ask them the same question. And they change their story. Now it's not like that. It was like this. Or then the next time you hear it, they embellish it. Oh, it's a little bit different now. It's a little bit different now. When people are inconsistent And what they say, that is a clear indication they are not being truthful. Obviously. That's why, you know, police investigators will ask the same questions over and over again of a suspect. Because they know when you start changing the narrative, you're lying. You're hiding something. Amen? Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So we need to be consistent in our words. I said we need to be consistent in our words. I've even known some ministers who tell just ridiculous or fantastic stories about supposed miracles that they had. Now, I believe in miracles. Don't misunderstand me. I believe we have a supernatural God who's working today in our generation, and I'm all for that. Praise God for that. But we don't need to lie to help God out. God doesn't need that kind of help. Amen? We need to speak the truth. <clears throat> Hallelujah. See, people, they, 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 they embellish their story. You know, someone was healed of a sore throat. Someone was healed of a headache. And they say, and suddenly it turns into cancer. It's like the fish story. The first time the guy caught a fish, it was this big. The next time he tells a story, the fish was this big. And, you know, by the end of the year, the fish is this big. It keeps getting bigger, embellishing, you know, stretching the truth or fabricating something out of a whole piece of cloth that never happened. And why do people do that? Even in their own testimony, they'll make up stuff. Why? So that others will respond favorably toward them. People say, oh, wow, that's amazing, you know, and they'll think better of me. No, friends, that's wrong. Don't do that. Amen? Many years ago, Brother Hagen was uh, ministering in a meeting. And after after the service was over, his son, who was very young at that age, I don't know how old, five, six years old or something, very young at that age, his son said to his mother, Mama, when Daddy is telling all those stories... Did that really happen or is he just preaching? <laughs> Did that really happen or is he just preaching? And that, that's kind of the idea, you know? A lot of times you have to ask yourself, is this really the truth or are you just preaching? No, no, we don't wanna just, just be preaching. We need to preach the truth, amen. See, if you, if you make stuff up or you exaggerate or you twist the, the, the facts of the story to maybe help you out in your ministry, Eventually you'll be found out as a liar. And now people will question well, maybe the Bible you're reading from is a lie too. Maybe everything about this is a lie. Hallelujah. One thing I've noticed about Brother Hagin, of course, he's gone on to be with the Lord these many years now, but um I, I- I've heard recordings of him preaching from fifty years ago, more than that, and he's consistent and he had some amazing things happen to him in his life i mean very amazing i mean like jesus appeared to him like you know seven different times and things like that and and if and if that and if he was not a if he was not a person of integrity of absolute integrity who never exaggerated who only told exactly what happened then i can see why god chose brother hagen for these things to happen cuz otherwise nobody would believe it Nobody would, would, nobody would even bother. I, that's why the Lord doesn't appear to some Christians. They have, they have such low integrity. Even if it happens, no one's going to believe it. Amen. They've cried wolf too many times. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So others may believe in God, but if you are inconsistent, they will not believe in you. With consistency comes Credibility. And if your ministry is not credible, it will not be successful. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I don't know if you're thinking or snoozing, but uh, I'm glad you're here anyways. Notice this scripture, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 16. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 16. We're talking about character. For we did not follow <clears throat> cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power And coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So again, Peter and the other apostles, they never changed their story. That Jesus was crucified, and the third day he was raised from the dead, and we have seen him. Even on their deathbed, none of them recanted their story. Actually, all of them, except John, were martyred. They died for their faith. They died and they never recanted their story. They never, at the last minute, said, Well, we made it up. It never really happened. Here, let me tell you what really happened. No, no, they stuck to their story. Why? Because it's true and they were truthful people. Amen. Hallelujah. So, um, in the 1970s, there was a man named Chuck Colson, he was a, a lawyer who worked in the Richard Nixon administration. And at that time, several White House aides, you know, people working in the White House, they devised a plan to break into the other political party's headquarters, the Democratic Party's headquarters, and plant a listening device. They wanted to tap their phones. And there's different reasons why they were doing this. But anyways, they got caught the people that broke into the other party's headquarters got caught. And so Chuck Colson said, when this happened, he and the others on staff secretly met together in the White House and they made a solemn vow to each other that they would never reveal what had happened. They had a lot to lose. Well, in spite of this, One of them, within a short while, started talking to the authorities, and then another, and before long, the whole plan, the whole scheme was revealed. In fact, the president of the United States at that time, Richard Nixon, had to resign from office, and Chuck Colson went to jail. But in prison, he became a Christian. And he said this, the one thing that convinced him of the gospel was the fact that They themselves, these these political operatives, you know, in Washington, had had sworn that they'll keep this a secret. And they couldn't do it. And they had a lot to lose. Whereas Peter and the other apostles, they never changed their story. They died. They died saying, it happened just like we said. He was raised from the dead and we have seen him and he is alive. And he said, that's what convinced me. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So that means you need to have integrity. Because if you don't have integrity, your witness will not be believed. And if it's not believed, there will be people who miss heaven. Praise the Lord. Now, let me read to you another scripture. Praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. It says, was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans according to the flesh? Ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time. All right, so I know people. I know, I know Christians who uh, will say something like, the Lord spoke to me, and he told me to go to this country and minister there and start a work there, and so, you know, uh, they'll go. And then the next time you see them, The Lord changed his mind. The Lord said, don't go to that country. Instead, I'm supposed to go to this place instead. Oh, okay. So they go there. And then a few weeks later, no, that that was not God. Uh, Now the Lord is saying to go back to my home country and start a church. Oh, okay. And then, you know, a few weeks later, the church is closed. Oh, no, I'm not supposed to do that. Now I'm supposed to do this. And so you see, they vacillate all the time. Why? Because like this verse says... They are making plans according to the flesh. The flesh is inconsistent. So now we know why many Christians are inconsistent. It's the flesh. God is consistent. And if we walk by his spirit, if we'll be led by that nature that he's placed in our hearts, we will also be consistent. God does not fluctuate like the electricity in Nagaland. He's not. Up one day, down the next. He's not dedicated to a cause today and tomorrow, totally disinterested. He's not erratic. He is consistent. He is steady. So you be consistent. Be consistent in your faith. Come on, some Christians on Sunday shout the victory, on Monday they weep and wail, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Be consistent. I believe that I have received it. But before the sun is down, you're already worried about it. You're already telling your spouse or your your family, I just don't know how we're going to make it. You're not being consistent. Amen. Hold fast to your confession of faith. Once you take a stand on the promise of God, do not be moved away from it. Hallelujah. Psalm 18 verse 31 says this, And who is a rock? Except our God. God is solid. God is unmovable. God is sure. But many Christians are not living stones. They're shifting sand. Are you listening to me? Too much inconsistency. You never know what they're going to do. This time, sometimes you tell people, do this this way. Okay. And so that week they do it. Then the next week they go back to the other way. Be consistent. Be consistent. Be consistent. Grow up. Be mature and be consistent. Come on. Hallelujah. Then some Christians, they say things like, you never know what God's going to do. See, that sounds like maybe they're trying to be spiritual or or deeply mystical. What they're doing is they're accusing God of being unreliable. Amen. Amen. And statements like that rob us of faith. Yes, you may not know exactly how God will answer your prayer, but you can be sure of this. He will do exactly what He said. God is not unpredictable, He's very predictable. You are unpredictable, but God is very predictable. He will always keep his word. He will always do exactly what he has said in the scriptures. Hallelujah. His work is always consistent with his nature and his character. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Notice this scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. As surely as God is faithful... Our word to you has not been yes and no. What he means is we said yes, but actually we meant no. That's what a lot of people do. They say yes, but they mean no. Years ago, you know, uh, some group wanted to come and talk to me from another church. I don't know. You know, they wanted to just talk about some, um, I don't know perceived threats or, uh, they're unhappy about our church or something of that nature. I honestly felt it was a waste of time, but just to be nice, I said, okay. So they came to our house and we greeted them, you know, uh, politely and they in return responded. And so we sat down and, and they talked about some different things and we listened and we also just kind of like said, okay, tried to be agreeable. And so when this, uh, this little group, I don't know, four, four people or something, when they left You know, and they said goodbye. It seemed like a pleasant meeting. I thought, okay, I thought it went pretty well. I'm, you know, good. So I said to my wife, that that was good. It sounds like they agree with us. And she said, they don't. I said, what do you mean? They said, yes. She said, I know they said yes, but yes means no. (laughs) Welcome to (laughs) Nagaland. Don't live that way. Jesus said, let your yes mean yes. And your no mean no because anything else is from the devil. Hallelujah! Don't say something just to try to please someone when you know you're lying. We really want you to be here for this meeting. We really want you to come to our park, my birthday party. We really hope you to be there. You say, oh yes, brother, I'm. We're looking forward to it. But you know in your heart you're not going to be there. You lying dog, you. Hmm. Yeah, but if I tell them I'm not coming, they may feel less of me. If they find out what a big liar you are, they won't even be your friend anymore. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. You don't have to say something just because it sounds appropriate. You don't have to be ugly. I'm not telling you to, to, to be impolite. I'm not telling you to, uh, you know, criticize everybody you meet on the street. I'm not saying that. But you don't have to lie. Amen. Hallelujah. I know you're thinking, Brother John, I think we heard this last week. I think we heard it the week before. I even think we heard it the week before that. So why do you keep harping on it? Well, I'm waiting for you to do it. That's why. Amen. Hallelujah. As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. What he means is this. Just like God is faithful to his word, we are also faithful to our word. That's what he means. People should have as much faith in your word as they do God's word. So if you are inconsistent, you are unfaithful. I said if you are inconsistent, you are unfaithful. Faithfulness is measured over the long haul. See, anyone can be faithful for five minutes. That doesn't prove anything. It's being steadfast and constant. Over an entire lifetime that counts. Be faithful. Come on, you get excited about something or there's some need in your life and so you show up for church on one Sunday and then we don't see you again for the next seven weeks. And then you come again, you know, the next, the next, the next holiday and you think, I'm being faithful. It's funny, we don't think so. Amen? Hallelujah? Faithfulness is being consistent. So that means you're there even when it rains. You're there even when there's a bond. You're there even when, you know, there's pressing needs in your family. You're consistent. Now, I'll I'll grant you this. Some people in Nogland are consistently inconsistent. That's the one thing we can always count on that we can't count on them. Don't be that way. Now, some people are consistently bad. Don't be that way. Be consistently godly. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm almost done. To be consistent, we must develop endurance. Hebrews 12.1 says this in the New International Version. And let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Let us run with patience or perseverance the race that is marked out for us the course that is set that is laid before us he's talking about the plan of god for your life we cannot fulfill our divine destiny without persistence in other words you've got to keep on going you got to keep on going this this life it's not a 100 meter dash it's a marathon it's not something you just start, and then boom, it's over, and ah, glad that's over. No, this is, this, is, this is a race that you began when you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, and it will finish when you go on to glory. So that's, that's a long course, and God sees the big picture. He's not just looking at tomorrow or next Tuesday. He's seeing things from now throughout eternity because he doesn't live in time. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God may show you something, his hopes for you, his dreams for you, and you think it's going to happen by maybe, oh, surely by this weekend. But it may not come to pass for years from now. But that means in the meantime, you have to be patient and just keep running the race. Just keep pressing on. Hallelujah. The people that I have seen who have been promoted in the kingdom and have been most useful for God's glory, were people who had lots of opportunities to quit. Quit the ministry. Quit walking with the Lord like they were. But they didn't take those opportunities. They passed them by. Keep on going. Keep on going. Run with perseverance the race that is set before you. Amen? Now, the devil's nature is contrary to God. It's the opposite. Just like darkness is the opposite of light. So the devil is inconsistent. And the devil cannot endure long. So even when you're feeling pressure from the enemy, adversity is coming your way. Persevere. Because after a while, the enemy will get tired of it and he'll quit. So if you don't quit, the enemy will. Just keep on going. Hallelujah. Be consistent. I said be consistent. Be a person that's dependable, reliable, solid, strong. Come on. Not like a reed shaken in the wind, you know. But someone who's immovable, steadfast, always abounding in the work of God, knowing that your labor is not in vain in God. Come on, God doesn't quit you. The first time something goes wrong he's solid he's faithful amen don't you quit him stay with the Word of God stay with what you have received hold hold fast to the truth that has been given to you don't let it slip through your fingers and be consistent a lot of consistency comes from this it comes from having set patterns that you follow in your life for example when you wake up my first objective is to spend time with God Say, well, I'm very busy, then you're too busy. If you're too busy to pray, then you're too busy. If you're too busy to spend time with God every day, you may find a lot of days are wasted. Come on, amen. You're not doing me a favor. You're not even doing God a favor. You're doing yourself a favor. So if you'll set these patterns, no, every day, every day I'm gonna pray in the spirit. I I need to charge up my spirit man. I need to speak out those mysteries. Every day, I need to talk to my Heavenly Father. Every day, I need to worship God. Now, I don't just worship, you know, with a microphone. I don't just worship under LED lights. Come on. If you're not a worshiper, then you'll never lead worship, or you shouldn't. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Then I'm going to read the Word of God every day. I'm going to get in the Word every day. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Well, I was too busy to read the Bible. Were you too busy to eat? Very rarely, almost never, do I find someone says, I'm so sorry. I was so busy. I didn't have time to eat. Somehow you have time to feed your face, but never enough time to feed your faith. Come on. So you've got to set some priorities in your life. You've got to set a schedule for your life. This is what we're going to do. If I don't pray every day, I start falling apart. I start having the, the initial symptoms of a nervous breakdown, right? I, I've got to, I've got to push the crowd out. I've got to push things back. I've got to shut the door. Jesus said, "Go in your prayer closet and shut the door." So I mean, you know, I've got to, I've got to get alone with God. If I don't get alone with God every day. And I don't necessarily mean that I was caught up into the third heaven. I'm just saying that that I've got to pray. I've got to. I've got to spend time in the Word. If I don't do that, I feel myself slipping. Hmm? And then, and then, then I start finding myself weak, becoming weaker spiritually. And then, f- little fears and things like that start creeping into my garden. worry starts, starts overreaching into my life. So I've got to do that. I've got to do these things. Then I'm just telling you, when I wake up on Sunday, I don't care where I am. I don't say, hmm, what shall we do today? No, we know what we're going to do today. We're going to go to church. We're going to go to God's house. We're going to be with God's family. We're going to be with God's people. Listen, in America, I'm preaching, you know, many times every Sunday, but when I'm not preaching, we still go to church. I realize sometimes there are things that happen, like we're traveling, you know, internationally. So Sunday comes, we're on an airplane over the Atlantic Ocean. So obviously we can't tell the pilot, please stop. I need to get off. But, you know, but, but other than that, we, we don't, we're not looking for an excuse not to go to church. That's the thing. David said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I think a lot of people I know, their verse would say, their Bible says, I was sad when they say it's time to go to church. Amen. I wouldn't ask you to go to a church that was dead. I'm not asking you to go to a church that, that God isn't moving in it. But but I'm telling you, you got to go to church somewhere. Amen. Hallelujah. Why? Because you need it. You need the fellowship with other saints. Well, uh, what is going to be the message this Sunday? Well, when you come, you find out. Basically, that's none of your business. You just show up and God will show up. And I, and I believe if you, if you come in faith, he'll give you what you need. Listen, we could be preaching on the end times and you, your need could be healing, but God can still get the message to you. God could still get that word to you. God knows where you are. God knows what you need and God can give it to you. You, you just, you be faithful and watch God's faithfulness. Be consistent. This is the way I live my life. Be consistent. Amen. So that means if you're going to be faithful, if you're going to be consistent, there's one magic word you must learn. You might want to write it down. I'll spell it for you. Here you go. Ready for this magic word? It's spelled this way, (laughs) N-O. This Sunday morning, can you come to my house and help me straighten out my closet? No. Why not? I'm going to the house of the Lord this Sunday morning. Hallelujah. This Wednesday... This Wednesday afternoon, we're having a little birthday party for my baby. It's at 6 p.m. Can you come? No. I might be able to come at 7.30, but not 6 p.m. Why? Because I'm going to be celebrating my new birth this Wednesday. I'm going to be celebrating the goodness of God this Wednesday night, so I won't be able to make that. You have to have have the intestinal fortitude to disappoint some people so that that you don't disappoint God. Well, people may not like me. Is that the beginning and the end all of everything that people like you? Listen, if you're trying to please people, one thing's for certain, you won't do it. And in the process, you'll lose your mind. If I was trying to please everybody in Nagaland, I would already be a mental case. I would be in a padded cell wearing a straitjacket. Besides that, people are so inconsistent. What they like today, they don't like tomorrow. What they don't like tomorrow, they, they like the next day. The Bible says where two or three Nagas are gathered together, there are four or five opinions. That's a new Bible verse. I just wrote that one right now. But it's true of other places too, isn't it? People are inconsistent. Amen. When there's trouble about, people, need, people will gravitate to someone who's consistent. They're solid. They're unshaken. Hallelujah. Be that person. Be that person. Come on. Some of you here, you have dreams of doing great things for God. Be consistent. Be more consistent. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. This is the way we run our race. This is the way we run our race. Come on, instead of doing this, this is what some people do. They just kind of live like, you know, everybody else in the world. And then they take two weeks off to climb Mount Saramati and go to a prayer center. And so they starve themselves for two weeks, hoping that God will do some miracle for them. And then when that's over, they come down from the mountain and continue on living like the devil. That is not the Christian life. Don't turn the word of God in some religion of fasting. You walk with him every day. You pray to your father every day. You worship the Lord every day. Give us this day, today, our daily bread. There's things that you have to do every day. And if you cannot come to God every day, then don't bother coming at all. Because it doesn't work that way. I didn't say there aren't times where you may not, where you may want to separate yourself for special times of prayer. That's fine. There, there are times when you may need to give extra time for prayer. Uh, you know, certain time seasons of your life. I get that. But you can't just ignore the Word of God and just just live like you know God's not even there. And then suddenly become super duper religious for like three or four weeks, or three or, not even weeks, three or four days, and then. Think that somehow everything's okay. It doesn't work that way. Be consistent. Be consistent. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. You want God to consistently bless you. You don't want God to be off and on. You, You want God to be pouring out his blessings. Giving you strength. Giving you wisdom. You just, you expect God to be consistent, but you don't expect it of yourself. And therein lies the problem. But I'm sure I'm speaking to people who are growing in consistency. I believe I'm, I'm looking at some people tonight, and I'm sure there's some who are watching me tonight, and they're developing that steadfastness. Hallelujah. That constance. Hallelujah. That persevering ability to, to just continue on, keep on going, stay the course. Hallelujah! And God's going to use them to do mighty things. Would you stand with me to your feet today?